Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your spirit. How intense he can be at times. <laughs> but it's okay. Like you told me one time, Lord, you must learn to become comfortable in my presence. Sometimes his presence pushes you. Sometimes your presence pushes us, Lord. Lord, I ask for your help to bring out the word. Pray that it be one that pleases you, is pleasing to your ear. I ask blessings on all of us here, Lord, as we get ready to ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation, understanding of the word that is spoken. And put within us that unction to look into your word. Look into what you have to say and understand. Seek to understand more and deeper. Because the more we learn your word, the more we learn you. And I thank you for your heart. And in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Hmm. <clears throat> Well, let's open the word and turn to Psalm 19. Thank you, Becky. Helps for me to go in the right direction. There we go. Psalm 19. Um, as God was talking to me about... Uh, the direction we're to take is not just for this Sunday. It's specifically in how I minister. He made it clear. He said, you're still to teach, but teaching is now to be secondary, and declaration is to be put into the foreground. Declaring God's word, declaring who you are in Christ. And it's because he wants you to understand. He wants you to get a hold of who you are in him. Because the moment you accepted Christ, he placed upon you a new identity. You're not who you were. Word said that he who has accepted Christ, he's in Christ as a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. But unless we let that newness of what he has made us affect how we see ourselves and how we operate and how we live, it's, it's not going to do us any good. And it's like, uh, you remember when Jesus performed the miracle of the, of the loaves and the fish, and then he did it once, and then he did it again. And then he was in the boat with the disciples, and they're like, all of a sudden they realized we forgot bread. And Jesus is like, they, he said, they're arguing about it. He said, uh, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Remember that? And they said, uh, and they began to argue about it because, like, it's because we brought no bread. He's upset because we brought no bread. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm talking about. But you, but you understand. But it says after that that it's because the significance of the loaves. Because Jesus asked them, how many loaves? How, how many left? How many, how, how many were fed the one time? They said 5,000 plus the women and children. He said, how many were fed the other time? Well, 4,000. And, and he's like, and how many baskets of leftovers did you take up? The one was seven. The other one was 12. And he said... How is it that you, that you think I'm talking about bread? Because he's like, I can, make, 
I could multiply bread right now. So why are you arguing about the bread? And what, but it said that the, they, but they didn't understand because the significance, because they had seen it, they were there. They saw it happen, but the significance of it was lost on them. And so it had no lasting change in their heart until later, until they understood. But you can see how God can, God can place upon you an identity and he can, and he can crown you. In, but if you, do not, if you do not let that sink in, then the significance of it is lost on you. Okay, and so then it does you no good. Now here in Psalm 19, God, God declares a lot of things. He makes a lot of uh, statements, and he uses a lot of different uh, methods of speaking. You know, he, he commands, he declares, he decrees, he, uh, you know, he blesses. He, does, he, does many, he has different ways of speaking, but all of those ways of speaking, they all form a, a language a way he communicates. Look here at verse 1 in chapter 19 of Psalms. It says, The Lord, or the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, or the heavens, the skies, shows his handiwork. Day, now that's a declaration, right? They declare these things. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In other words, all the lands, all the nations. As far as God's concerned, just creation should be enough evidence of him because they declare. And, and so, it, so there's, no spe- there's, no, there's no land, no uh, people group to whom the, the, the heavens do not declare God, his existence, and his lordship. Verse, line, uh, verse 4 it says, Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. It's rising from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now he's going to change tone, but he's talking about the, the, the creation declaring the word. The word says that, that the earth groans in waiting for Jesus to return. Okay, now verse 7, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. And the Hebrew there, that, that's the word of God, a, a word he has spoken to live by. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, much, uh, than much fine gold. That's a, the value that is being placed on God's words he speaks to you. They are much more valuable than gold, fine gold. And then he says, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So his words are valuable, but they're sweet like honey on, on the lips. His word, when you speak his word, there's a, a sweetness to it. Verse 11, moreover, by them, his words, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. 
Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Now, we read all that to get here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. David is saying he, wants his, he wanted his words to be acceptable to God. That means that not all words are acceptable to God. There are words that he does not accept. Okay, so it's a, it's a language, another language we could be speaking. It's a language expresses one's position in life. Doubt and unbelief are not acceptable to God because they're, well, why are they not accept? Because they're not in his nature. He doesn't have those things. God does not have doubt or unbelief. And so when we speak doubt or unbelief, those words are not acceptable to him. He hears them, but he does not respond to them because he's not, he's not moved by doubt and he's not moved by unbelief. And so to understand that there is a certain way that he wants us to speak is very important. Turn with me to Isaiah 53 from here. So this is, uh, now, this may, I mean, I, I was, my chief concern when I was putting this together is just like, well, I, I, don't want, I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to tear anybody down. I want to build you up, and so does God. Look here at verse 53, or chapter 53, verse 1. This is Isaiah speaking. He says, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, before I get any further in there, understand, he, 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 who is he talking to? He is, he is talking to God, but he is making a declaration unto us. Because he's talking, he says, who has believed our report? So he's so he's he's having he's having a, a conversation with God, but he's doing it as an open conversation that we are a part of, because he wants us to understand some things. So he says, "Who has believed our report?" He doesn't say. He, you notice he did not say, "Who uh, who has believed the Lord's report?" He is not saying, "I have come to give you a word from the Lord." He is saying, "This is our report." Me and God's report to you. Not because he has authority to, to like hijack God's word, but because what he has done is he has made God's word his word. He has made God's report his report. He, is, he has said, I approve of what God has said, and I am now changing my speech to mirror the language of my Father, of my God. It's our report. To you, and then he says, "And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed?" Well, that's that's, a, that's that Hebrew expression, the arm of the Lord. That's talking about His strength. Who has He revealed His strength to? And the answer is us. He has revealed His strength to you. He, if you, if you will, He He, he revealed His arm. He has flexed His muscles, so to speak. And He has said, "This is my report to you." Something weird going on with this mic lately. Now look down at verse 2. He says, For he 
shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, what's he talking about? Now he's giving the prophecy. Because what he has done is said, this is our report, and it's a prophecy. It's a prophecy about Jesus. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Well, God didn't want Jesus to look like a celebrity because he didn't want people to follow him just because he looked good. Okay, but the, the, the reason I brought you here is to point this out. For he shall grow up, grow, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Jesus, who is called the Word, Jesus is the Word, he, he arose during a dry season where there was no hope. Out of dry ground, it said. Dry ground. God's language, his words, will work at any time and in any place. In a dry season, in a wet season, on a mountaintop or in a valley. Anywhere, his word will work. It will grow up. If we speak his words with conviction, in a time of hardship, okay, we are speaking God's language. And he will respond to his language. You know, I was talking about this with Iris the other day. We were, we were here, I think Wednesday or Thursday or something. We were after, we, everyone was kind of around and we were talking. And, and I said, well, you know, faith is a language. And uh, I, said, now, I said, now, you like to crochet. She said, oh, yeah, I love to crochet. I said, if you come to me and you start talking to me about crochet and you talk my ear off about crocheting, well, I, I don't have any interest in that. I know nothing about that. And so there's nothing I'm going to be able to add to that conversation. Nothing I'm going to be able to contribute to it. I said, however, if you go and you talk to Tammy about crochet, she knows all about it and she loves it. It's like she's going to say, ah, now you're speaking my language. You've heard that expression, yeah? Now you're speaking my language. So when you go to God and you begin to speak his words only, he'll say, now you're speaking my language. But if we, if we mix our language, okay, so, because we, we, I mean, I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. If we mix what we're saying, sometimes speaking God's language and sometimes speaking our own natural language, well, what will happen? Well, Jesus said, he talked about words like they were fruit, good fruit or bad fruit. So someone came to you and they had a fruit basket full of fruit, but half of it was good and half of it was rotten. How would you receive that? When we come and we bring those kind of word, mixed words to God, how, how, what will happen? See, then, then we wonder. We wonder, well, how, how come I'm not receiving all the results that I am asking God for? Because if I, and I've, I've done this personally, I ask God for something, and then I go and I'm talking to people, well, it just looks like that's not going to happen. You see what I'm getting at? See, God's language then is the only language that will yield good fruit in any season and in any soil, in any season of life, any storm, any, any wilderness time that you're walking through. It's the o- His word is the only language that will produce good fruit. Well, what language is God's language? It's the language of faith. 
That's why the word said, hold fast the confession of your faith. Because God knew you were going to go through some hard times. He knew you were going to go through some, you know, a storm, a, a wilderness, uh, just a, a bad season. But he, he, gave you, he gave you something. He gave you his words to plant in some difficult seasons in life. Now, Jesus was planted in a time where there, it was just dry ground. But because it was God's word, because it was Jesus, it grew up. He grew up. So we have no excuse, really, for speaking doubt and unbelief because Jesus told us not to. Remember when Jesus said that? Now, hold, now, now remember back in Psalm, he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. So there's two things. There's your language you speak, but there's also the meditation of your heart. That's your thought life. What are we thinking about? What are we dwelling on? There's a reason Jesus said worry. Do not worry. Worry not. Because worry, uh, the result of worry is always doubt and unbelief. But worry is not a thing that you speak out, worry is a, is a meditation of the heart. Worry has to do with what I'm thinking. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about thought life, but, that, but you can see how one thing leads to another. That's what Jesus meant. He, don't worry, don't worry. He, and he said, he said, worry. Now, he said, he, he said, why, you know, don't worry because can you, can you add even an inch to your height by worrying? Can you, can you change one hair white or one hair black on your head by worrying? No. Worrying is, it, it, it does no good. It, it has no use. And so, like, you, you remember when Jesus said we will give a, it was in Matthew 12, he said, we, we will get, or you will give an account to God for every idle word you speak. Do you remember that? Well, the Greek there, the Greek, if you look up the Greek when he said that word idle, the implication is useless. Useless speech and lazy, lazy speech. So worry, so so worry leads to speaking doubt. Well, now doubt is useless. Jesus said so. But unbelief is useless. It produces no fruit. No fruit. And so you know, learning to speak the language of faith is like learning to speak a natural language. You ever tried to learn a, a foreign language? Well, God can make it easy for you, and He has it right here. The difference is, though, it, it's difficult. What makes it difficult to learn a language of faith is not because I have to learn new words and things like that, because the words are right here. What makes it difficult is getting my, my heart in line with what I am saying. And I'll talk about that a little later on. But learning a language, it takes time. Have you ever seen babies trying to learn how to speak their parents' language? It takes time. It takes time. And the parent says, no, don't say, if they say something wrong, no, don't, don't say that word, say this word. I still do that with my kids all the time. No, say it this way. This is the right way to say it. And even when they were babies, I would watch, you know, because, again, that, that every idle, every lazy, useless word, is, you give account for it. Well, so then don't, don't say that. 
don't say that. But I, I remember watching the kids learning to speak, and they would, and they knew the word. They wanted milk, mama, my mama, my mama, mama. And Tammy's like, no, you know the word. You can say it, speak it. Well, then what's the first reaction? Well, it's laziness. It's I don't want to. I want you to do it for me. I want you to do it for me, God. I don't want to say your words. I want you to just do it for me. I don't want to put in the work. And you all understand that you don't, you don't do anything to earn things from God. That's not what I'm talking about. He's already paid for it. It's, 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 the, it's, like we t- it's the milk in the fridge. It's, you know, whatever you need from God, it's available. And he said, make your requests known. Make your requests known. Now, Jesus said, whatever you ask, believe that you receive it, and then you will have it. It's, it's the, same, the same requisite. But you got to ask. So what works? So it doesn't work with God to be like, uh, 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 uh. And so, but when, I, but you can see too, if I if I bring words of, that are unacceptable to Him, if I bring doubt and unbelief to Him, if I come to Him and say, "Well, God, I would like to have this, but I'm not really sure that, you, that I'm going to get it," He doesn't receive that. It's not acceptable language to Him. And why doesn't He interrupt me and say? Say the right thing. Well, because he's already said how to do it here. So, for anyone who has said out loud that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart God's raised him from the dead. If you've done that, you have been given citizenship in God's kingdom. And you have been adopted by God as his child with full rights and privileges with the legal authority to use the name of Jesus. He has given us the, the legal authority to do that. You ask, when you ask, ask the Father in my name. So, the language of faith is a universal language in that it doesn't matter where I'm from or what language I speak, if I'm from uh, Cambodia or Japan or Russia or uh, America or Argentina, it doesn't matter. I, I can speak the language of faith in that tongue. Because it's a, when you understand that you have been given that, you've been given citizenship in heaven, you have been adopted as a son or a daughter of God, you have been given full rights and privileges as a son or daughter of God, you have also, because it's a kingdom, you have also been given a language to speak. How many of you know every nation on earth has an official language? You can, you can Google it, look up whatever nation you want and read down the stats and it'll say the official language is this, but these other languages are also spoken here. But the official language is this. The official language of God's kingdom is faith. And I had, you know, uh, Chloe asked me a question one time, and I had to kind of laugh about it because I'm like, you know, this is exactly the kind of question that atheists would love to have, but I have never heard any of them ever ask a Christian because it, stump, it could stump a Christian. She said, God, or she said, uh, Dad, what kind of accent does God have? I said, What? She said, you know, what is it? Is it 
Is it an American accent? Is it British? Is it Australian? What is it? What, what's, what's, when he God speaks, what kind of accent does he have? And at the time, I'm like, well, you know, God made every nation. Or God made every nation. And he made every language on the earth. But his accent would be the accent of faith. You know. So we must learn to use the language we have been given by God. Colossians 4, 6 in the King James Bible says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. So then God doesn't want us only to talk faith with him. He wants us to talk faith with other people. He wants us to speak faith at all times, in every situation. That's not the denial that there's a problem. We'll get into that a little later on. But now the NLT... New Living Translation says, let your conversation, let your conversation be gracious. So when we're having conversations with other people around the water cooler or wherever, any place, do we, do we let doubt and unbelief slip in to what we're saying? Let your conversation be gracious. And it's like, well, uh, what's significant about this idea of graciousness? Well, grace, as we've said many times, grace, the definition of grace is just getting good things from God that you don't deserve. Well, now we all deserve hell. But yet he has given us Jesus and said, if you take me up on my offer, if you accept Jesus as your Lord, you have eternal life. But, But the moment that you do that, you don't just get eternal life. You get everything that God has promised you. But see, think about it this way. Grace is anything from God that you get that you don't deserve. So if he supplies you joy, if he supplies you peace, those things, though joy is not the same thing as peace, and peace is not the same thing as joy, they're both grace. Grace is, you could think of grace as an umbrella under which all these things, these blessings from God dwell. And so faith then is also a grace from God, because the word said that to each one God has given a measure of faith. So if he gave you faith, that means that that is a grace. So when he said, let your conversation be gracious, that means you're to speak faith and peace and joy and love. Amen. So do we spend uh, more time then talking about what we're going through than we do about the one who is taking us through. I heard Pastor Charles Callan talk about that once. He said, Jesus never talked about what he was going through. He only talked about who was taking him through. I thought, man, that's good. So if you let Jesus report then, because he has a report for you, if you let his report become your report, then you are letting his words abide in you. Remember what he said that? If you let my words abide in you, then you'll ask whatever you need from the Father, and he'll give it to you. Because it's his words, it's his language in you. See, God never focuses on the problem. He doesn't deny that a problem exists. But he doesn't focus on the problem. He always, always, always focuses on the solution. If you think back to Genesis, think all the way back to Genesis. God saw there was darkness over the face of the deep. How do we know that? Well, because the word said... The, there was darkness over the face of the deep. 
God wasn't the one who said it, but he gave us the report that it was there. But he didn't say, God didn't say there's darkness over the face of the deep. No, what did he say? He said, let there be light. So he always focuses on the solution rather than the problem. But there would, if there was no problem, there wouldn't be a need for the solution. So God sees darkness over the face of the deep, and he says, let there be light. He sees that the earth is void without life. And so he says, let there be plants, trees, fish, birds, animals. And then he said, let us make man in our image. See, God doesn't talk about the problem. He, he, the only way that he acknowledges the problem is by providing the solution. So then what happens after that? You, you read on. You see man fall, falls from grace. God starts prophesying immediately because, you know, you have the whole thing where the woman you gave me gave me the fruit and I ate it. And then the woman says, the serpent lied to me. The serpent told me. And then God tells the serpent, uh, because you've done this, and he goes on, but he says there will be enmity between the woman's seed and your seed. But now he said seed, and it's capitalized, so it's singular, which means Jesus, the seed. Jesus is the seed. And so he said, he said it's, a, it's a seed from the woman. And he says here in Isaiah 53, 2, again, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Well, where'd that root come from? The seed. But keep in mind that Jesus also said right before he was crucified, he said, unless a seed falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Remember when he said that? So you always see God talking faith. It's his language. God talks about his coming solution to the problem. It's, it, it, the problem is that you fell from grace, but there's a seed coming. Now look at verse 3 here. This is where God gives us the rest of his report. So he's talking about Jesus. He is despised or thought little of and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him as he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, uh, in the margin of my Bible, it said sicknesses and diseases. He has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now to hear some Christians talk, you'd think that they never read these verses. Whenever we speak, we are locating ourselves. What kind of shape is my faith in? Where is it? Where is it in connection to God? I can tell by my conversation. I can immediately tell where my faith is by what I am speaking. And other people can too. You can tell pretty quickly where someone's faith is. It doesn't take long. Well, what is God's position? His position is on his throne. 
do I believe him when he tells me that my position is seated with Christ in heavenly places? Do I believe him? Can I believe him when, I, when he tells me that's my spiritual location, my physical location is here. My spiritual location is seated with Christ in heavenly places, and that's possible because all things are possible with God. See, this is, but do, but do I talk like I'm seated in heavenly places, far above the troubles of these current times? That's why Jesus told us not to fear those who can kill the body. Nobody can take your salvation from you. Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Paul said, I, he said, it's better for me if I go home to be with the Lord. He's like, better for me if I, if I finish my race and die and go on with the Lord. He said, but it's better for me, or he said, it's better for you if I stay. He said, so I'll stay. <laughs> but see, these verses, it's interesting because, you know, it, it, it does. You first read it, it seems like it's almost too good to be true. He provided, he, he shed his blood to forgive us of our sins, so we accept him, and so then your spirit is healed, recreated. The chastisement for his peace, the ch- for our peace, sorry, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. So healing for the soul, mind, will, and emotions. Physical healing for the body, by his stripes you were healed. And so, you know, some people would say, well, how's that, how's that possible? Well, it's possible because all things are possible with God. Only the only way that we make it impossible for us is if we do not accept God's words, if we do not accept his report. And since the language of God's kingdom is faith, that means we need to learn to speak that language as well. So we will be speaking words that then are acceptable to the king. See, I know I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but I'm stating it in different ways so that you can see how, how am I speaking to my king? How am I speaking to my Lord? How am I speaking to my Savior? How am I speaking to my healer? How am I speaking to him? Do I accept him? Do I accepted him as Lord, but do I accept him as my healer? Do I accept him as my counselor? Do I accept him as king? Turn with me from here to John 12. Lillian, is it okay if I tell that story about the, about the dream that you had the, about the high priest? I don't remember all the story, but Melina was telling us, uh, and it's an awesome, awesome dream. You'll have to ask her to, to relate it to you. But she said, in the, in the dream part of it, she saw a, a person dressed as a high priest. And she didn't recognize him. She said, I didn't recognize him. But then later she came back a couple weeks later, and she says, now I know who it was. I said, well, who was it? She said, it was Jesus. She said, I don't know why I didn't recognize him. I said, well, have you ever thought of him as your high priest? She said, no. I said, so God wants you to see him, Jesus. He wants you to see Jesus as your high priest. All of us. He wants us all to see Jesus as Savior, Lord, high priest, prophet, healer, counselor, wonderful. Verse 49 here in John 12. Are you all okay with this today? Are you feeling beat up or encouraged? All right, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be built up. Verse 49, he says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, for I have not spoken 
on my own authority. But the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. Did you ever think about this? If God commanded Jesus, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, the Father gave him that title. He conferred upon him this title. But yet the Father commanded Jesus, this is what I want you to say, this is what I want you to speak. So do you ever stop and think about if he commanded Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, to, spe- to only speak a certain way? Jesus said, I only speak what my Father commanded me to speak. So if he gave that command to Jesus, does it not stand a reason then that we, as children of God, have that same command is extended to us? We have a commandment, what we are to say and what we are to speak only. Now, it, 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 it takes time to train your heart to speak faith only. It takes time. It took me about, I mean, I was raised in church, spirit-filled church, took, uh, until, until we got to Rama. About six months in, because I told you guys this story many times, but again, every single class, what, what I was constantly hearing spoke was, this is who you are in Christ, 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 from all these different angles. And I'm like, how long are we going to talk about this? And not just that, they assigned us books. We had to, I had to read, do a lot of reading on faith. On, now, I mean... And so you're hearing and you're hearing and you're hearing. I mean, you're being spoon-fed the word three hours a day, five days a week. And about six months in, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. This is who I am in Christ. It takes time for it to dawn on your spirit. And so the only way you can do that is to constantly be putting the word in, putting the word in, putting the word in, putting the word in. So, so listen to, I mean, if you get tired of hearing my voice and you don't want to listen to all of the pr- previous messages, look up Charles Capps, look up Joyce Meyer, look up John Osteen. Great faith teacher. Teaching on faith. And you won't agree with every single thing, but you can discern it all in the light of this. Amen. So, I mean, you don't like to read? Get an audio Bible. Maybe do both. One of my friends at Rama, he, would, he had an audio Bible, and he would play it while he was sleeping. He'd sleep, and the Bible would be being read. I never did that, but it worked for him. So then, you know, along this line of taking time to train your heart, I've told you guys this story, too. I, I was believing God for healing for something. I had a cold. I didn't believe in God for healing, and I was just, I was, what I was doing was, I would tell him, it happened, I think, probably three days. And every day I would tell him, God, I'm holding fast the confession of my faith. Praise God. I'm holding fast the confession of my faith. And now he didn't say anything. And usually that means you're okay. You know, it's like, because if, if you're doing what you know to do in here, and you take a step and you move on, and God's not telling you no, take another step. And so I'm going along just every day. God, I'm, I'm holding fast the confession of my faith. And on the third day, I think it was the third day, he replied, and that shocked me. But here, in my heart, he said, as soon as I said, God, I'm holding fast the confession of my faith, he said, your heart 
is not in agreement with your confession. What's he mean by that? It means that I don't really believe what I'm saying. But you got to start somewhere. And so it didn't take long. Oh, okay. Sorry. So what I had to do, I had to get back in this and let his words, because how does faith come? By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And when you begin to speak his words, you begin to speak his language, you are now hearing it because you're speaking it and you're hearing yourself speak it. Did you ever think about that? It's that positive feedback loop. They don't want that in, in sound because it'll blow your speakers out because there's so much. And God will keep putting more and more in your heart. <laughs> so what do you do if you start speaking God's language but you can sense in your heart that you don't have the faith to back it up? Develop your faith. Get in the word. Listen to teaching on it. Amen. Or listen to praise and worship music. Biblical praise and worship. There's praise and worship out there. Music is out there that's not biblical. But take the biblical stuff and listen to that because whether it's in song or whether it's being spoken, it's still God's word if it's biblical. Praise and worship music. Driving down the road, listening to praise and worship music, and all of a sudden something registers on my spirit, and I'm like, <laughs> thank you, God. <laughs> the person in the car next to me is like, Amen. So, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, bear with me here. God has really, he has a lot of good things to say about his children. In the language of faith, think about this. Because G Jesus had a command of what type of language he was supposed to bring. And so, because God has a lot of good things to say about his children... Think about it this way. You actually don't have the right to say negative things about yourself. Do you ever think about that? I don't have any right to say if I have no right to tell God I'm weak. Because his word says, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I can't focus on the problem. Yeah, physically, I'm weak. But he said, strengthen yourself. He wouldn't tell me to do it if I couldn't do it. Be strong in the Lord. I can be strong in the Lord. I've got no right. Because, and, and well, I'll, I'll get into that later on. We'll, we'll get there. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself here. Where we have been trained to say things like, I can't make it. God said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When we think, I don't have enough finances. God, you gave me this idea. I don't have enough finances to put it at work. God said, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. When we think, I'm not talented enough. God's word said, Jesus led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. <laughs> and so, you know, we are free in the sense, we don't have the right, but we, are, we have the ability to, to have freedom of speech. That's important. 
But we cannot just say whatever we want to without causing harm to ourselves and to other people, really. Because if I'm speaking unbelief to another, what am I sowing into them? Seeds of doubt. Seeds of doubt. So I've got to be careful. I've got to be careful with my speech. I've got to be careful with my language. Now, did you notice, though? Now, look here. I'm going to read verse 49 again. Jesus said, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Did you know that eternal life is ingrained in the command? And the command is a word. It's a language. God wants us to speak life. His command about how Jesus was to speak and how we are to speak is directly tied to his plan for eternal life. Because he's working out a plan. You've accepted Jesus, you have eternal life, but there are still others out there who do not. And so God is working out a plan of eternal life that is communicated through a language of faith. That's why the word says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay? So speak life. Speak life only. Now, did you ever think, you, ever, you remember the story of, of uh, the little girl who was passing away, Jairus was her father, and he came to Jesus and said, my little girl is passing, is dying, can, can you come? And Jesus said, yes, I'll come. And on the way there, Jesus is being thronged by this crowd. And there's an interruption where a woman came up from behind him, the woman with the issue of blood came up from behind him, and she, she had said, the word said, she had said out loud, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be well. She touched his garment. Jesus said, someone touched me. And everyone's like, there's people pressing in on you from every, everywhere, you know. The, people, the crowd is thronging you. But Jesus said, someone intentionally touched me. You can, that's in the NLT. In other words, someone touched me with intent. They had a purpose. The other people were just wronging him. But she had a, a purpose, and she had made a confession that if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. Well, so then she gets healed. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you, has saved you. Go in peace. Now, then you have, he's standing there, and this is going on, and a messenger comes to Jairus and says, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter's died. In other words, there's no point in, in bringing it. Don't trouble. I mean, but you think about it. If he's able to heal her, why, why isn't he able to resurrect her? But this is the thinking is don't trouble. Don't trouble. Her. I mean, it's too late. Well, what's that? That's doubt and unbelief. It's too late. And so Jairus didn't say anything at that point. Jairus is still standing there. And Jesus overheard the conversation. And he turned to Jairus and he said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only, only, only believe no room for doubt no room for uh, no room for unbelief and you notice when he got there the people were wailing crying jesus said the girl's only sleeping 
And they all laughed at him, and he put everybody out of the house. No doubt, no, no unbelief in here. Now, that doesn't mean that as you are walking this out and you're believing God for things that you need, that you won't hit a delay and be like, what's going on here? And I told you all about the time that I was believing for healing in my jaw. I had clicking and popping and the whole TMJ thing going on. And I was like, God, the word said I'm healed. I'm not going to ask anybody. But the word does say, if anyone's among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church, and they'll anoint him with oil, lay hands on him, pray, you know, anoint him with oil in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he'll recover. So there's that. Sometimes we need the help of our brothers and sisters when our faith isn't, isn't there where we need it to be when we need it to be there. I'm not saying you don't have any faith. I'm saying that because there's times in your life where your faith will be more developed than others. It's like going to the gym. If I go to the gym for six months and then I stop going to the gym, I, I, there's going to be a change in my, in my physique. And it works the same way with your faith. So now... When when you, when you say okay I'm I'm up there right I'm I'm, well, I'm sitting I'm sitting in my chair and they called for prayer well no, they didn't do that very often but uh, the girl one of the girls in church got up she said I just feel like there's someone here that need you know if you need prayer come on down and I'm like nope God I don't need to go down I believe that I'm healed and it's still cl- clicking and popping right but I'm like I believe I'm healed well now it happened again the next week and I'm thinking. That's odd to have it ha- I mean, it hardly ever happens anyway. And then to have it happen a second, you know, two weeks in a row is weird, you know. But I told God again, I'm not. God said, go down there and let the brethren pray for you. Well, now that doesn't mean, see, that's just that God heals people through many different avenues. He just wanted to do it that way at that time. Since he's the one who provided healing, he's the one who decides how it comes. So we have to be open and ready to however you want to give it, God, I, you know, right? Anyway, I'm not teaching on healing right now. It's one of the hardest things to receive by faith. That's why, you know, you, you, you talk about that every now and then. So, before we close, I want to give you one more example of just how seriously God takes the language of faith. Turn with me to Matthew 16. And I have to do something about that microphone. Yeah, maybe, maybe. That's okay. It's... It did its job. I got, I got my money's worth out of it. All right, so Matthew 16, but down to verse 21. It says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him I think that's the only time that you've ever seen anybody rebuke Jesus. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, remember, God doesn't focus on the problem. He focuses on the solution. Jesus is telling him, You need to change your thinking and how you're, what you're saying. But he doesn't, he doesn't, notice he doesn't address the words directly. He said, you're not mindful of the things of God. What he was addressing was Peter's thought life. Because again, I'm not, I, I mean, we're not looking at teaching on thought life, but, but every word that proceeds from your mouth originates in your thought life. So Peter is thinking, Peter's not mindful of the things of God. Jesus has a purpose. He has a mission. He has a plan. 
And Peter is speaking against it. Because Peter's like, you're not supposed to be crucified. You're supposed to raise an army and kick the Romans out of here. No, 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 no. You, you're not, you, you, no, you will not die. And Jesus is, but that's, but that is speaking against God's plan. And so Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. That's an offense to me. Actually, some translations say, that's, you are a stumbling block to me. You have the ability, the ability to say whatever you want, but you do not have the right to be a stumbling block to anybody. That's difficult. But it's speaking against the plan. And so Jesus is like, you need to change how you're thinking. Because Jesus had already told him, this is the plan. This is the plan. His plan is, I'm not going to be just an earthly king. Because Jesus knows when he dies and he's risen from the dead, he's going to become the king of kings and lord of lords. He's like, I... I yeah, one day I'll be the king of Israel, but I'm the, ki- I'll, I'm the king of everything. King of the universe, the word said. So, Peter has what many ministers like to call foot and mouth disease. You know. But see, he's speaking against God's plan. So, so when God outlines for us in Isaiah 53 and he says, this is the plan. I carried your sicknesses. I bore your diseases. I shed my blood so that you can be forgiven of your sins. I bore the chastisement for your peace. So if I go to him and I say, God, I'm just depressed. I'm speaking against his plan because he's like, because he'll say, I gave you peace. Because you think about it, peace is healing for the soul because if I'm at peace, how can I be depressed? So we have to be careful. And so, and again, it's not, I mean, there's a difference between saying, I have a cold, I have a cold, I have a cold, and saying, I'm experiencing some symptoms, but they're going to have to go in Jesus' name. Language of faith. I could say, I'm experiencing some cold symptoms, but I have a redeemer. I have a healer. It's like we said many times. Even if you are just you just recover a sick from a sickness, God has still healed you indirectly because who gave you that immune system to begin with? Amen. So then. Take, take heart, be encouraged, because if Peter can learn the language of faith, I can learn the language of faith. Because Peter, yeah, he, he, he said some things he shouldn't have said, but then later he became one of the most important leaders in the church. Jesus went out of his way to bring Peter back into the fold. He said, feed my lambs. He feeds, he, you, you, you feed people with this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every... Word of God, words proceeds from the mouth of God. And so when you speak God's words, you are feeding people his words. And so even though Peter messed up, Jesus told him, feed my lambs, speak my words. So be encouraged. 
Because God would not command you to do something you cannot do. He would be unjust if he did that. Amen? So you are part of a kingdom. And you have been given a language to speak in that kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your words, Lord. We, even though we don't deserve it, you gave, you gave it to us anyway, Father. You are such a good Father. And I ask, Lord, for your blessing on everybody as they go. Help us to keep your word before our eyes. Help us to not let it de- depart. Keep it, help us to keep it in the midst of our heart, Lord. And I thank you, Father. I ask, Lord, as everyone goes out for many divine appointments, opportunities to speak your words and then see the fruit. And I thank you, Father, and I praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, bless you guys. Yes. What? Oh, we have communion in the back. Okay. Get up and go take communion. Uh, If you want to wait to take it with, with me, that's fine. Honey, would you grab me one?